Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of The Low Code Approach. I'm Sean Feeney, I've got about a decade of experience, if not more, in low code from a variety of different roles. And today I'm joined by... Dr. No, also known as Ken Aguilard. I'm Wendy Haddad, a senior cloud solution architect and a former Microsoft customer. And guys, I am super excited because with us we have a guest, Kartik Kanakasabasin. And this one's a little bit interesting because there was a little bit of a last minute, I get a phone call late on a Friday afternoon, Kartik saying like, hey, Wendy, can I be on the podcast? I've got things to talk about with ALM. There may or may not have been either a bag of cash or a really cool swag promised here. So still waiting for that payment, checking the mail here. But we're so excited to continue the discussion about ALM. Kartik was on episode 12, the circle of lifecycle application management. And so uh, he already talked about the foundations, but I really want to dive into a little bit more Kartik about which tool when you've got Azure DevOps pipelines, you've got GitHub pipelines, you've got Power Platform pipelines. So can you intro yourself a little bit more for anyone who might be listening for the first time and maybe talk about that, some of them and, and this, this topic? Sure. So I am a PM manager in, at Microsoft. And I am responsible for the ability for our code first developers to be able to go ahead and build applications faster in Power Apps. So it's a little bit, it's a subtle difference from what my charter was when I came to the podcast the last time, where it was squarely looking at how we can get to deploy things at scale. But now we're looking at between Ken and myself, you know, we did, we did have a reorg. Uh, so Ken's now part of the scale team and I'm now part of the broader team to go ahead and bring in developers to go build applications and accelerate those application, application development paradigms in Power Platform. So now we're officially the Wonder Twins. It is true that we are the Wonder Twins and in public, people cannot tell us apart. Uh, right. Do not let our and combine because obviously magic will happen. Yep. With that said, Carthage. What is so magical about ALM? Why should people, organizations, applications, why should they leverage ALM? Why should they look at Azure DevOps, GitHub pipelines, or even pipelines as we know them today inside of Power Platform? Is it just for citizen developers? Is it only for pro devs? Who is it for? I know I just asked the whole host. Oh, yeah, you basically, but that's, but that's so you. All right, the episode. <laughs> so let's start, let's start. Let's start with the bottom half first. So I I come from a school of thought that anyone who builds an application is a developer. Right. I find the fact that the division that we have between citizen makers and code first developers or, or pro devs as you call them or advanced makers, it's it's more of an artificial construct than what's wedded in reality. Anytime anyone goes ahead and builds an application. They're exercising parts of a system, whether low code or not, they're exercising a part of a system to automate something or to go solve a problem. That by nature is the developer mindset to go ahead and solve something. So, so I come from, I come from that part of the world. So I just want to kind of set the record straight in this context. Now you may use different surfaces to realize and solve problems in that context. Now, when it comes to application lifecycle management, well, what, what does that mean from an essence standpoint? It is just like any other living entity. You go through a stage of, you know, let's say nascency to maturation and then retirement. That itself is the kind of life cycle. And applications are no different as such. We see this happening every single time. We go ahead and decide the fact that we're going to go solve a problem. There's a particular paradigm or approach that we take. We then evolve to getting it out, scaling it out to production, getting wider usage. And as we realize that that particular application has now reached a level of maturity or Let's say its utility has now gotten to a point where it needs to be modernized further to be able to go look at 
other business opportunities, we retire that and modernize that entire experience. And we start this all over again. So it's kind of uh, the the analogy you would say is it's kind of like the application circle of life, you know, where that happens in that context there. So Kartik, I have a question on that because you're saying that you're, you're viewing it all as development, but I think that many people aren't coming from that mindset, right? A lot of people are thinking citizen developers, though it, you know, it, it isn't really full development or pro development is different and there's personal productivity use cases. So at which point does it actually need to go through an ALM process? Is that everything or is that some things? Where is the threshold? I've worked with some customers that say everything and not. And so w- what do you recommend? For all intents and purposes, when you start off with personal productivity, if it's if it's only a very utilitarian that actually solves your problem, that's great. But let's say that particular problem that you're solving happens to have such a significant traction that more people start using it. Now, the moment you start accessing confidential information that is proprietary to the organization or any kind of data as such, that becomes a realm where it now needs to be managed. And by the way, there are a lot of analogous of that in the open source world. If you look at the the utility of open source tools that are out there, they first started off by building from a, from a very individual utility perspective before they got accepted in the broader market as such. So what we're seeing here with low code is exactly the same way in that context where we, that, that level of maturation actually happens. So as the application matures, you then decide, okay, now we're getting to a point where it's touching this particular information or it's, that, it's, that, uh, it's touching this. So now we need to go ahead and manage it. And as a consequence of managing that application, the whole lifecycle paradigm starts to kick up. Now, truth be told, there may be a situation where you may decide that all your applications are very utilitarian and you may never need to manage the lifecycle of that. But the key thing is, as you start expanding the reach of the application and start expanding the access of data in that context, that's where the management angle really comes in. I mean, Ken, what do you think? I mean, you're a doctor now, so. I, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying there, Kartik. One of the key things that from something that you said reminded me of something that I actually told the customer, and even I used to say when I was a customer many moons ago now, is that if this personal productivity space, which you mentioned, has intrinsic business value, meaning that I can look at this and say, hey, Wendy, I developed this process. You have something similar in your region start using this. There should be some type of process, graduation, if you will, so that the app can go from one to many or from unmanaged to actually managed. Now, many organizations today may not actually have any type of tool set or something like that, or they may just sort of do this passive movement and they're not actually realizing that what they're doing is dipping their toe into the ALM space. They are you know, sort of, again, passively creating their own ALM process without using the tooling. So if we are investing in this area and having these wonderful sets of tools, why not embrace them and make that task much simpler? Wendy, you have anything more to add? Yeah, I, I think that it's interesting just thinking through as I've talked with customers and I've been a customer, oftentimes we first think about the licensing and the dollars. Okay. And so... ALM features are often premium features. They do require some of the premium licensing we have in the Power Platform. But I think what you said, Kartik, is so important because it's, yes, it's about the production criticality. And if there's downtime, if there's a disruption, how much is it going to affect your organization? But also it's about the sensitivity and criticality of the data, which I think is something that's often thought of last versus first, right? And we lead with licensing, but really sometimes it's it's more about what is the right solution. And then once we've made the decision, 
then we can determine what what licensing comes to to bear there as well. No, uh, that's absolutely right. I mean, Sean, I, mean, I know, I know you're itching to say something, so go for it. Uh, so I, I did a talk uh, recently where we did a workshop on application lifecycle management, a whole bunch of other new governance features right. for Power Platform, and questions came up around application lifecycle management. A lot of questions were on like, hey, is is this feature set for pipelines within Power Platform? You know, is this more for enterprise-wide customers as it's packaged within managed environments? Or is this right. something that SMB should be looking at too? I wanted to get your thoughts on that, Karthik. Uh, great, another great question. So SMB stands for small, medium business. I apologize. We got into acronym world here. <laughs> but when you when you look at healthy practices, and I, and I do go, want to go go back down to the, the crux of the matter is when, when you start building applications, whether you're SMB or whether you're a large-scale enterprise, there is a certain level of point where you have to go manage things. I mean, yes, you may not necessarily have the kind of high ceremonies kind of thing because, yes, you're an SMB. The you know level of exposure may not be as significant as, let's say, a large enterprise, but at the end of the day, you still have exposure regardless. So if you can inculcate practices right at the early stages, or even at the nascent stages, that's a good thing. But having said that, you'd also want to get penalized when you do decide to adopt practices as well. So, and that's and that's I think one of the cr critical things that we offer from a power platform standpoint is the fact that we have that smoothening of on the on ramp, if you will, where ALM does not look so prohibitive right from the get go, and at the same time, you get the appropriate set of guardrails in place to say, okay, as my application reaches the level of maturation that it does, and by the way, as your application starts touching a lot of these other different data sources and things like that. There is an as there is an element, and as Wendy alluded to, that you know there's the cost aspect of things. But let's look at the cost of failure in that context too. We tend to always look at the upfront cost of procurement or licensing, but the overall value is let's look at the cost of failure. If tomorrow, let's take an SMB an example, as I am a corner pizza shop and I have accidentally exposed all my customers' credit cards from my app, which was a very innocuous thing. I made a small little update, and that happened. What is the cost to my business? And I think that's the angle that we also have to go look at and say. When we acquire additional capabilities, and as we grow our business, different controls come into place, and we need to make sure that we have the appropriate guardrails in place to make sure that those things all fall in line. This is one of the things why a lot of enterprises, and especially code-first developers, are anal retentive about security, exposure. All these things are part of their software development, you know, raison d'etre, if you will. And that's kind of the things that they also expect from a low-code application development platform perspective. I mean, Ken, what are your thoughts? Several, several, several thoughts. What I'd say is that many organizations start off with the way I describe it as power platform as a service, or even any number of things within the M365 as a service. And what I mean by that is they use the native just features inside of there and extract as much business value as they can out of that. But then when they start to get serious, they need to cross the chasm and move into power platform for enterprises. Right. right, And that is where we start talking about the value and the feature set and the benefits of the things that they get from their investment into the platform through premium licensing. Now, I'm not a salesperson, so I'm not going to go into the whole sales model and the licensing discussion. That's for another For episode. full disclosure, neither am I. <laughs> neither, neither one of us are. But I do think it's important that enterprises understand that they do need to eventually cross that chasm. There is a wealth of goodness, as you mentioned, in terms of like the tool sets that are there within the product suite. Um, everything from now AI, form of Copilot and many other AI features that we have, to simple out-of-the-box product features such as pipelines. So Kartik, I, I guess my ask 
to you right now is like, what the heck is pipelines and why should someone use it to cross the chasm, if you will? Actually, I, I would probably add one more thing to that question too, is, you know, what the heck is pipelines when we already had things like Azure DevOps and GitHub Actions and all these other different, you know, we have an ecosystem of CI/CD infrastructure that's out there in the industry. So why pipelines? Let's look at it this way. When I, I went back to the term saying everyone is a developer and there are folks that are very comfortable with the existing tool set that is available in the market. And then there are some that are now coming in. And as we, as the application developer Bella brings in more players into the call, as that actually happens, there's a certain level of, let's say, knowledge gap that arises. And to be honest, fear is something that is common to a lot of human beings. So right out of the gate, when I see something more complicated hitting me, which is what traditional CI, CD solutions that are out there today, the on-ramp to onboard to those things are quite challenging. So that's the purpose of pipelines. So if someone who is, let's say, you know, I'll take an example of myself, it, you know, let's go back to the formative years of when I started coding and I started writing my first line of code. I was pretty scared, right? And I was very scared about breaking stuff because, you know, if, if you talk to my dad, my dad would tell you how many toys I've broken <laughs> just because I was tinkering with that stuff. That's how uh, you find out how things work, Karthik. I mean, exactly, exactly. You know, you know, it's, it's the it's the engineer's ethos, right? So in that context, when we go ahead and and start looking at going back there, as we start that process, if we don't go ahead and simplify a lot of these things, these management best practices don't get inculcated at the right time. And that's where pipelines comes in. Pipelines actually demystifies the complexity and the challenges that are with CI/CD, or for that matter, deploying applications at scale. It's the, it's a good entry point. Now, for some organizations, that just may be good enough, and that's okay. But there are other elements where, let's say, for example, someone's going ahead and deploying their front-end applications with some back-end information that's sitting in a different cloud property and things like that. When you get to those kind of scenarios, that's where the turnkey CI/CD tools come into play, like Azure DevOps and GitHub Actions, because they've already solved that problem. I'm going to jump in, Kartik, and ask a clarifying question there, because I think that's a really key differentiator, and it's a question we often get on the field from our customers. Is it more about pro code? So if I'm a pro developer, is there a place in pipelines for me, or and it's more the customization that would send me to another tool, or is pipelines more about the citizen developers, and you still need Azure DevOps or GitHub pipelines for the pro developers. Again, I'm, I'm going to go back to what I started off this the, our discussion with. Right to me, that that division between pro code and citizen dev is is an artificial construct. The idea essentially is is that if you're providing something, you know, depending on the scale of the application of what we're going ahead and doing, we can choose to go into that. Now, the crux of the matter is what is the kind of topology that we're deploying and the way we're solving that business problem. So if we focus our lens on those things. Whether it's a pro dev or whether it's a citizen dev, those things become immaterial because at the end of the day, it's an application that is being deployed to service a particular customer or constituent to solve a particular challenge or problem for the business. You're, you're answering a few of my questions as well. Like I was going to yeah. ask you, when is the best time to actually use ALM? Maybe two follow-ups on that. When is the best time? Is it customizable? Can I add like an approval workflow into pipelines? And one of the largest questions that I know many of our folks ask, is it scalable? So the, the answer the answer is yes to both. And, and that's and I'm, I'm not being flippant when I say that. When the team designed, and I do mean the team, turnkey applications are built by teams, not by individuals. Yes, you may have one person that may build something, but individuals usually build utilitarian tools, which is what we call as personal productivity. 
applications are always built by teams and collaboration is kind of the essence or the essence of the way applications get deployed. So again, you can start off at a stage uh, when you're building something utilitarian where you know you have the the institutional knowledge in your head to go how the innards of, the, of that particular application work. But as more and more people come in, and this is common in most organizations too, by the way, is that I may have built an application. Ken, you may know this from your, from your past and, and, and you too, Wendy. It's like you build an application and then you get reassigned to something, something else. So someone else, some poor person comes in and now is able to, has to go and manage that application itself and figure out exactly what needs to happen in that context. That's where the manageability angle comes in. I know, Ken, you had, you had a couple of questions there from scalable and this thing. So the answer is yes, it is scalable and it's been designed that way. And it is extendable as in we have capabilities within pipelines, for example, to, and I, I, I know Casey Burke, who is the PM for, for pipelines, he teases me with this, but I use this term called daisy chain, where I can go ahead and I can initiate a pipeline, an Azure DevOps pipeline directly from the pipeline that I have inside Power Platform, or I can use an Azure DevOps pipeline and initiate a pipeline directly inside our Power Platform pipeline. As a matter of, sorry, as you can see, pipelines is a very overloaded term these days. <laughs> All right. But, but I think that's one of the things that we'll have to go ahead and figure out. It's a short answer. That's a long-winded answer for your question. Besides the short answer just being yes and yes. Kardik, I know you and I, Wendy and Sean, like this topic, I feel probably needs part two, three, four, and five. Like yeah. we need most likely turn this into a series and even maybe invite Casey and maybe even Marcel back in and just let the, the three of you sort of go at it and have a broad explanation to the audience. Sean, perhaps maybe you have some follow-up questions to some the statements and comments Kartik just made. Yeah, one, I think Kent just suggested a spinoff, a Kartik spinoff, which I am like totally greenlighting right now. The second bit is, Kartik, we want to leave people not with just, you know, a, a cliffhanger that there's going to be more episodes to follow where we're going to answer more questions or ask more questions of even the team. But what are some of the things that people can do? I know that uh, last time we talked, we were talking about low code February and like week four, yeah. really dev focused and, and um, DevOps and app management experience. What else do you recommend people go and take a look at? Between between our last time and this time, the pipelines capability is now available. It's generally available. Yeah. So my call to action here would just be, please go try it out because we folks in the product really want is feedback. We love building capabilities that delight our users and we want to make sure that we're on the right track in that context. So that's one of the things I would intrinsically impress upon the broader audience in this case as well. And to go try it, one, if you already have Power Platform, you can install the pipelines packaging. So if you go into your PPAC environment, there are instructions there on Microsoft Learn and how to go ahead and install that. So please go check that out. The other thing that I would also impress upon is the fact that we have our opinions of how the handoff between pipelines to Azure DevOps and things happen. There is a wider community out there that's been using you know, things like Azure DevOps and GitHub Actions for a very long time. And so my other ask would be is, if we do end up, I know you've greenlit the spinoff episodes, but if we do end up having subsequent episodes, it would be great for the community to kind of give us some feedback on where they think the line is. And then we can actually have some of the folks kind of talk about it in that context. But like I said, the, this episode was more around us kind of talking about where that fine line is, where the handoff happens. And there's several, you know, PowerCat videos as well that we currently have that kind of address some of these ALN capabilities there as well. So my call to action, I know it's, a, it's I'm not trying to give you a list of everything, but my number one thing as a product person would just be the fact that let's go ahead and please try this out. We have plenty of content available on MS Learn. 
And like I said, we live by community. And when the spirit of the Microsoft Power Platform Conference coming up later in early October, community is the essence. It's our oxygen to kind of get these great things out the door and, and delight them as much as we can. Are you aware of any sessions at Microsoft Power Platform Conference that may be discussing ALM that people who are attending should go to? So, you know, Dr. No is running a workshop. He He's obviously covering a lot of governance stuff, but there's ALM elements in, in his workshop as well. I'm running a workshop along with Matt Barber and, you know, the community knows who Matt Barber is, he, you know, it's goes without any uh, formal introduction. So uh, we're going to be talking about application development. We're going to be talking and doing a workshop where developers, and I do mean developers of, of any ilk, can come in, build applications and deploy them at scale at the workshop itself. The, act, the workshop is actually called Build, Deploy at Scale, uh, Build Power Apps at Scale. So please come over there. We'll have roundtables at the conference itself. You get to see Dr. No and hopefully myself, who kind of basks in his glory in they person. Only because I'm taller, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get to see us in person and 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 would love to have a chat, you know? So please, and again, come to the Microsoft booth there because you'll definitely find any one of us, any there at any time. And, and we're more than happy to have conversations with folks. Very cool. Actually, well, yeah. a community desk or yeah. spot around there, right? So please feel free. Many of us will be coming in and out of the community area. Like I know last year at Power Platform Conference, I would occasionally just stop by and just kind of hang out and just, you know, talk to folks. So as Kardik said, we absolutely love and adore the community. Please don't feel uh, intimidated or shy. Stop us. Talk to us. Thank you. So everybody, remember, if you're going to Microsoft Power Platform Conference 2023 in Las Vegas, uh, in October, we'll be there. Look Code Approach will be there with our amazing guest star, Kartik, and uh, everyone else on the Power Platform side. We really look forward to seeing you. Please ask us all the questions, and we'll make sure we get you all the answers. But thanks, everybody, for joining us, and look forward to more conversations around application lifecycle management. Thanks, everybody. Ciao. Thank you. Thank you.